Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So, dude, so let's talk some Dynasty on episode 183. It's the draft day. The draft is over. One of the most fun parts of the Dynasty season has come and gone. And now I can finally put all of the draft capital in the landing spots into my rookie rankings. And if you've been following, I updated all my rookie rankings and preparations for rookie drafts that take place this month. I know I got my first one that starts on Saturday. I've got two more that start on Monday. Can't wait. It's going to be awesome. You too can use my rankings. So I hope as you begin your rookie drafts, if you've been following or listening to me, that you take my, you know, take my rankings in consideration while you're making your draft picks and interact with me anytime too at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. I have to say though, um, overall, I'm very disappointed with where many of the players landed in this class. It was already kind of a weaker than normal rookie class. You know, hop top heavy for sure. But it could have been deeper if some of the second tier players landed in better teams or I had higher draft capital, and that just didn't happen this year. So I have more negative things to say about this class than positive, actually. But there are several players whose dynasty stock is rising uh, following the NFL draft. So I thought I'd give some of my thoughts on each of the positions, some of the players I thought where it's stock up, some where it's stock down. I'll talk about some where I say nothing really changed based on draft capital or, or landing spot. And then also talk about a few cases of people that things didn't work out for them, but I'm still holding out hope, like what happened to them during the draft who they get drafted by didn't matter to me. So let's talk with quarterbacks. Overall, this quarterback class was one of the worst in decades, and the NFL teams actually treated them that way too, by only drafting one in the first round and none in the second round. That's crazy. Dynasty managers are probably going to follow suit with rookie drafts, at least in one quarterback leagues. You know, in super flex leagues, it'll be, you know, different, but still, I don't think a lot of these quarterbacks are going to be pushed up in the first round like they have been in years past. Every Every quarterback drafted... Is going to have to compete for a starting role on their teams this year um, and wait a year or in some cases I think several years before they'll become viable starting lineups in our dynasty lineups. But let's talk about some quarterbacks. Stock up, stock down. Really, stock up is only on one. Kenny Pickett, uh, drafted by Pittsburgh at 1.20. His stock is rising after being the only quarterback drafted in the first round and my only rookie quarterback with a chance to begin the season uh, as a starter, I think. Mike Tomlin already said this much, that he has a chance to um, compete with Mitch Trubisky already. And unlike most Dynasty analysts, I actually had Pickett as my number one ranked quarterback before the draft. So he not only remains, though, after the draft, obviously, uh, but he's really lengthened the gap between him and the rest of the quarterbacks in this class, given where they were drafted. Which, of course, brings me to stock down. Stock down would be primarily Malik Willis, drafted by Tennessee at 3.22. Willis was my third ranked quarterback in the class before this draft. And now he's actually moved up to be my second-ranked quarterback today, but still the gap between he and Pickett is more significant than it was uh, after the, or before the draft <clears throat> because he wasn't drafted until the third round, and he's got a proven veteran ahead of him. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has signed you know, for two more years, although I looked and they could cut him after this season, and he'd suffer a pretty big uh, dead hat cap hit. It would be um, $18 million, $18.8 million for a cap hit if they were to cut him after one year. I think Willis is a talented prospect, but he's going to have to back up Tannehill for at least one year and maybe longer. And I don't know if he has the draft capital to really guarantee his 
you know, true chances for the future. Although I think you will get a chance somewhere down the road. Uh, that, next, I'd say not necessarily uh, stock down, but I'd just say holding steady, at least by my estimations, would be Desmond Ritter and Matt Corral. Uh, Ritter was drafted by Atlanta at 3.10. He landed in a pretty good spot, actually. Atlanta's, you know, only have to he's only going to have to beat out unproven Marcus Mariota to get playtime. Uh, given his draft capital, um, it should be Mar- Mariota's job to lose, however. Uh, but he not only uh, signed for two years with him, unlike Tannehill, if they were to cut uh, Mariota after one year, he'd only have a $2.5 million cap hit. And so if he cuts him after this year, Ritter, I think, you know, could, could step in year number two. I actually imagine that Ritter's going to get some playing time this season, whether Mariota's injured or not, or struggles or not. I think Ritter's going to get some time. Uh, holding kind of steady by my estimation. Matt Corral the same. He was drafted by Carolina uh, th- 30th in the third round. Uh, Sam Darnold is the you know assumed starter. Uh, still has far more draft capital than Corral has, and I think he's really going to have a leg up on him in the quarterback competition. I'm less confident in Corral's ability to adjust to the NFL game from the college scheme that he was under, so I think he's going to take some time to develop. But that's what I would have thought about him before he was drafted by Carolina, so nothing really changed too much for me in his mind. Now, one I'm holding out hope for, it definitely would be stock down, but one I'm holding out hope for would be Sam Howell. Uh, Washington was picked at fifth round, first pick of the fifth round, 5.1. Howell was actually my second-ranked quarterback before the draft, so I was shocked to see him fall in the, all the way down to the fifth round. And so the draft capital side of things uh, does not look good for him. But I'm still hopeful about his, his opportunities to beat out Tyler, Tyler, or Taylor, Heine, Tyler Heineke and uh, win a backup role in Washington behind Carson Wentz, who we all know has played pretty terrible for the last couple years. And so... He's not a draftable, you know, in rookie drafts, except in very deep, you know, super flex leagues or where you have taxi squads and you would get him. But he's definitely a player that I'm going to put on my preseason watch list and, you know, put him on my scout team and hope to see if, you know, during the preseason he shows that he could be better than Heineke. And if he could beat out Taylor Heineke, then, um, you know, he'd be a, a you know, player worth keeping, uh, particularly in super flex leagues. Those are the quarterbacks. Let's move on to the running backs. Now, there were only two running backs who I thought would become immediate starters for NFL teams before the NFL draft and after the draft, it's still the case. Uh, a few players were drafted by teams with kind of a mediocre or older starters ahead of them, so I think they're going to get the chance to compete for a starting role by midseason. However, based on their talent and the landing spots and the rest of this running back class, I really just see them as role players at best. They you know, need you know some multiple injuries to see you know time on the playing field. Let's talk with the ones where I'd say stock up. I'm going to include Brees Hall in this. Uh, Hall could not have been moved you know, much higher in my rankings because he was number one before the draft, but he could have fallen just a tiny bit in my eyes if he was drafted by a team with a, you know, a very proven veteran ahead of him, which was definitely a possibility. But that's not the case in New York. I do have some concern that the Jets, you know, because they do employ that kind of two-back system, that they'll, but I think that they'll quickly realize that, that Hall is much better than Michael Carter, and he's still my number one ranked rookie. Kenneth Walker, you could say stock up, Seattle. He was drafted at 2.9. Um, I love the draft capital, and I love that he landed, you know, with a run with a run first team. Uh, if, you know, after the Russell Wilson trade, Seattle's trying to go back to being the team that they had with or Wilson's earlier days when they had Marshawn Lynch. Walker's just the perfect guy for that kind of job, I think. I do think Rashad Penny's going to get the first opportunity to start this season, but by midseason, Walker's going to take over all the touches there. Uh, Penny was just signed to a one-year deal, deal, so Walker's already a more you know, considerable investment financially for the team. And so they're going to have to find a way to give him a significant role in the team, you know, when they drafted him at 2.9. Walker couldn't have gone up much higher in my rankings <clears throat> because he already was, you know, in the top four. 
but there he is again. I uh, thought I'd mention him. But these other two guys moved up just a little bit. Uh, James Cook uh, was drafted by Buffalo at 2.31. Uh, he was uh, in my pre-draft pre process. Cook moved higher and higher up the draft board. You know, there started to be more rumors that he was going to get picked uh, earlier than many of the other backs. And after being the third running back drafted, uh, he's moved into first-round consideration in my eyes in rookie drafts. I now have him ranked as number 14 overall. I do think Devin Singletary is constantly underrated and undervalued by Dynasty uh, managers. And I think he's going to continue to be the lead back in Buffalo. But Cook really could be his partner in kind of a one-two punch uh, that the Bills move and kind of make make them uh, very active, particularly his role, I believe, you know, in the passing game. So Cook's moved up to a first-round consideration, pretty significant. The other would be Brian Robinson. He was drafted by Washington at 34th pick of the third round. He definitely joins a crowded backfield, you know, with an excellent passing downs back in J.D. McKissick, uh, back with much higher draft capital than him and Antonio Gibson. Uh, plus, they drafted Jared Patterson last year's draft. Uh, that said, Robinson's third-round draft capital indicates that he's going to have a chance to work himself into the mix in Washington. Draft capital combined with, you know, <clears throat> poor draft capital, the other running backs, you know, in the overall class has really just caused me to have to move Robinson up in my rankings, even though he has just as much competition as some of the other guys do. The draft capital in the third round uh, says something about him, so he's moving up as well. Another guy that moved up, though, just a bit, would be Rashad White, drafted by Tampa Bay in the third round, pick number 37. You know, with Thomas Jones gone and Keyshawn Vaughn not proving very much when he's, you know, had an opportunity to play, White really does have a very chance to become an immediate backup to Leonard Fournette. Fournette did sign a three-year contract with the Bucks, uh, but he's getting older, and he could benefit by sharing the load with a younger player like White. Both backs are great in the passing game, so I won't, you know, they won't have completely different roles on the team. I believe. I think they they can share the load and for share the load, and if Fournette gets hurt or injured, White really could have the job all to himself, and that could very well happen at some point next year. Next player moving up in the running back category. Damian Pierce uh, was drafted by Houston at 4.2. I was very down on Pierce during the pre-draft process because I just didn't like his overall college production at Florida. Um, I had a rank number 61 in class. In fact, 61 in the whole class. However, you know his decent draft capital and his landing spot in Houston where he only has to outplay Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead have really caused me to move him up. I had to move him up all the way to number 27 in this class, which I assume is still going to be a lot lower than other analysts. I think Marlon Mack actually could have a chance to beat him out just by himself. But I do kind of have to hedge my bets <clears throat> with a, you know Mack still coming back from that injury. And Damian Pierce, you know, getting that draft capital, not the greatest, but the, you know, pick number two in the fourth round is something. So I had to respond uh, to that draft capital. What I'm more excited, though, about is Tyler Algier. He was drafted by Atlanta around later, 5.8. But while his draft capital is not fantastic, his landing spot is excellent. Cordell Patterson's the best running back, was the best running back in Atlanta last year, playing way better than Mike Davis. Uh, I just don't think Patterson can handle a full-time role, and nor can Damian Williams, who they signed in the offseason, and I just learned today, right before recording this podcast, that Mike Davis just got cut. So that says something right there. I think Algier is going to have to even move up even further in my rankings. I moved him up um, in my rankings quite a bit, and I think now that I learned this news, I'm going to have to go back into the database and Moving back up a little bit further. Tyler Algier, excited about that one for Atlanta. <clears throat> As for running backs with stock down, we've got a couple here. Uh, one would be Pierre Strong, drafted by New England at 4.22. Uh, last week I talked about how on my podcast that Strong was one of my late-round guys that I was really going to target. I planned actually to reach up and get him ahead of his ADP. But after landing in New England, I'm going to have to wait until he at least hits his ADP before I draft him, which you know make him, should make him fall 
further back, and it sneaks too that New England, uh, one of the other guys that was one of my uh, one of my late round guys I was targeting was Kevin Harris, and they drafted him also. So New England, I must I, maybe I just think a lot like Bill Belichick, and that's what it is. But Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris, that I talked about last week's podcast, both were drafted by New England. Um, just too hard right there with with two you know very competent, talented running backs ahead of them already in the lineup. It gets pretty dang crowded, let alone James White being there too. So it's a mess. Uh, stock down for Pierre Strong, and for that matter, Kevin Harris as well. And then what I was probably the most sad about was Jerome Ford, drafted by Cleveland at 5.13. Unlike most analysts, Ford was my number nine ranked overall player in the NFL draft. I know I was way out of limb on that one, uh, but now his draft capital and landing spot have had me drop him all the way down to number 40. Uh, he had you know fifth round draft capital, but on top of that, he leaned on a team where there's, where there's two great running backs ahead of him, if not three. And so I wouldn't have dropped him as far, but you got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt ahead of you, and then another guy, Dearness Johnson, that played really well when he had a chance last year. I just think it's pretty unfortunate for Ford that he uh, has to have his stock down, which is pretty disappointing for me. Let's do the one uh, holding out hope for. A bad situation, but I'm still holding out hope for Isaiah Spiller. He was drafted by the LA Chargers at 4.18. Um, in a strange way, I actually like this landing spot for, for Spiller in LA. Austin Eckler is you know, irreplaceable as a starter. We know that. But Spiller could be a great backup and it could really play better than Justin Jackson did in his you know, spot starts that he's had over the last few seasons. I'm not going to reach for Spiller, but his stock has fallen considerably during the whole pre-draft process, and now even during the draft it has. And so now I think it actually makes him somewhat of a value. I'm holding out hope for Spiller uh, to make a difference there in L.A. Now let's talk about wide receivers. My goodness, <clears throat> this was a wide receiver class. That's for darn sure. Uh, wide receivers were the strength of this rookie class. NFL draft proved that. Um, they proved that point when nearly one-third of the first 64 players, so one-third of the, the first two rounds, were receivers almost. Top-tier receivers landed in decent spots, and their dynasty value really couldn't change a whole lot because they were such you know top talents. I'll talk a little bit about that, too. Um, landing spots mattered more to me in the second tier of receivers, though, the second and third tier receivers, and that's where there was a little bit of shake-up in some situations. So Let's talk about stock up first. Stock up. On Drake London, uh, drafted by Atlanta at 1.8. I expected the Falcons to draft Garrett Wilson there as a wide receiver, but they went with Drake London instead, uh, hoping that they found a player that you know could like, become like their next Julio Jones for the franchise. I was low on Drake during the pre-draft process, favoring some of the other players drafted in the first round ahead of him, but now that he was the first wide receiver drafted and landed on a roster with no competition uh, right now, at least with Ridley out you know, for this one season, I've moved Drake up in my rankings quite a bit. I'm still concerned about his quarterback play, but I hope that they can win by, you know, becoming big and easy targets for Mariota or Ritter, for that matter. He and Kyle Pitts are definitely going to dominate the targets in Atlanta's passing game, and I like that a lot. Second was uh, Traylon Burks. Tennessee picked him at 1.8. One of the biggest surprises of the draft was when the Titans traded A.J. Brown to Philadelphia and then selected Traylon Burks. That was such a crazy part of the first round that day who instantly, Burks instantly becomes a wide receiver one on the team. Burks going to get, uh, be, or Tennessee rather, is going to be very motivated to show that he was, that this was not a terrible decision. And so I think Burks is going to get fed because of this trade. I've been wavering back and forth throughout the pre-draft season between Garrett is my number one wide receiver or Burks is my number one wide receiver in the class. But this draft capital, alongside the fact that in essence he was traded up for, you could look at it like that, it was traded A.J. Brown to get him. That's caused me to rank him number one in my post draft rankings, number one wide receiver, that is. Another play moving up 
was Christian Watson. <clears throat> Green Bay got, grabbed him with the second pick of the second round. Uh, the pre-draft hype on Watson came true, and he was drafted atop the second round by a team that needs starting wide receivers in Green Bay. Watson's really going to be like a grand experiment, in my opinion, uh, given the players from smaller schools like this, and you know, particularly ones that don't have a very solid production profile, they rarely get drafted this high. And then plus, Aaron Rodgers is notoriously hesitant to target rookies or players that he can't get on the same page with. Uh, Watson's draft capital and the open roster spot in Green Bay, however, are uh, you know now wide open. And so the talk that uh, Watson might end up being a first-round uh, rookie pick in our rookie drafts, I think is now solidified. He's definitely going to go in the first round of all of our rookie drafts. Another player, wide receiver, whose stock was rising was George Pickens. Pittsburgh picked him at 2.20. Uh, the entire pre-draft process, I've been less willing to move Pickens up my rankings because the distance between his breakout first year and those two injury-riddled years that followed, it was just too much for me to forgive. I just didn't know what to, to think of him. Plus, there was mounting character concerns with Pickens, too. However, after gaining second-round draft capital and getting drafted by a team with a great track record of hitting on wide receivers in the draft, I finally conceded, and I've moved him up to number nine in my overall rankings. It's still a step of faith, I think, in my opinion, but... As good as he is, you know, in that area of the draft, I think every everyone in that area of the draft is a little bit of a step of faith right now, too. So Pickens would be one to take a chance on. I finally conceded and moved him up into the first round. Next player would be Alex Pierce, drafted by Indianapolis, much higher than I thought he would be drafted, 2.21. Uh, Pierce is one of the guys that had been rising in my rookie rankings during the pre-draft process, uh, but in his second-round draft capital and his landing spot have really caused me to move him up from even more. I moved him from number 27 to number 21 in my rankings. I think Michael Pittman is still the wide receiver 1-1. One, one. I think he's got that short up. But the wide receiver 2 role is really up for grabs in Indianapolis. As an Ashton Doolin truther, I was disappointed by this pick. But Pierce should have every chance to beat out Doolin, uh, who's an undrafted free agent, where now they've got second-round draft capital on Pierce. Plus, Matt, I think that uh, Matt Ryan still has plenty in the tank, and he can make the young Colt receivers better than the whole string of quarterbacks that they've had starting in recent years. Then there's Sky Moore. Sky Moore drafted by Kansas City at 2.22. Uh, the Chiefs waited on wide receiver, waited on side wide receiver much longer than everyone expected, but then they finally drafted Moore. And wide receiver targets, you know, are wide open with Tyree Kill being traded to Miami. Moore and Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Mecole Hardman, uh, they're going to have to fill a huge gap. And Moore could quickly become the most targeted receiver on the team. He really could. Moore was, you know, flirting with the back end of the first round or early second round at least. And rookie drafts, you know, before the NFL draft. And now, like Christian Watson, he's firmly a first-round draft pick in our rookie drafts for sure. Last player I'll mention that was stock up after the draft would be Romeo Dubs. Uh, Green Bay drafted him at 4.27. Uh, Dubs was, like I already mentioned, talking about Watson. He's a second receiver drafted by the Packers who, like the Chiefs, have huge targets to fill, you know, after they traded away Devontae Adams. Uh, Dubs played at a smaller school in Nevada like Christian Watson did, North, North Dakota State. So both players are not the highest regarded recruits, but they displayed enough in college to get drafted by the Packers in the first and the fourth rounds. I would not be surprised, actually. I, think, I feel like both of these guys are a bit of an experience. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Dubs end up being the you know more fantasy productive receiver than Watson. Uh, managers can draft him far later than Watson, too. And so I have Dubs ranked number 25 in my rankings right now. I may just prefer to reach for him in the second round then maybe burn that pick so early on Watson. It's going to be kind of a mess to try to figure out what happens there, but I think both are very capable, but also a bit of an experiment. 
Let's talk stock down. Uh, some of the things on stock down would be Wondell Robinson, uh, New York Giants selection at pick 211. I loved his college production, was intrigued to see where he would land in the draft, but I just did not like the landing spot in New York, even though his draft capital was excellent. The only thing that could have changed my mind is if they do actually end up trading Kadarius Tony, then I'd be stock up on Robinson. But while Tony is there, I just think there's too many people, too many mouths to feed with Sterling Shepard, Kenny Dolliday. Um, I really like Robinson, but I just did not like the landing spot for him. Another play I'll say stock down, it's really only by comparing myself to others, was uh, <clears throat> Taekwon Thornton. New England surprisingly took him at 2.18. I had to move Thornton up in my rankings after a surprising draft capital, but I just won't be drafting any of them in rookie drafts. The fastest wide receivers at the Combine rarely do much in the NFL, and New England is awful at drafting wide receivers. So I did move him up in my rankings just based on his draft capital, but not in the range that I'm going to draft him because I'm certain that other dynasty managers are going to have him ranked higher than I do. Then there's other uh, one stock down, I would say, would be Calvin Austin just a bit. But Pittsburgh... Um, drafted him at 4.33. I believe that Austin can be a big play threat in the NFL, and I think he'll make some great plays. I just don't think he's going to be able to do it consistently, especially on a team that um, is now loaded at wide receiver and drafted, you know, just has a lot better players when they drafted uh, George Pickens two rounds before. Uh, could be that Steelers opt, you know, not to pay uh, Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool, and, you know, when their contracts are up here shortly. And in that case, maybe they see Pickens and Austins as their future replacements uh, so that they won't have to pay those big wide receiver contracts that everyone's having to pay right now. At the same time, Pickens and Austins, they just may not lack the opportunity this year to prove themselves uh, come decision time for Pittsburgh. So I love Austin. Um, I, would, I was not as high ranked on him to start with, and his landing spot didn't do much to help me with that, even though Pittsburgh's pretty good at drafting wide receivers, like I already said, with Pickens. There's a lot of wide receivers that I would put like in the holding steady category with not, not too much to comment on with them. Garrett Wilson, you know, drafted by the Jets at 1.10. I moved Garrett down just a few spots after the landing spot in New York. It's not a big knock on him, but I really wanted him uh, to land on a team where he could play instantly and become the wide receiver one. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, who I'll actually have ranked higher once I integrate the rookies into my positional rankings. Will it be Elijah Moore or will it be Garrett Wilson? Um, I'm not sure which of those I actually like better. I'm not sure, too, that Zach Wilson uh, has what it takes to carry the Jets' offense, but boy, are they going to have to find out this year because they have surrounded him with weapons, and this is his year. He's got to make a break here for sure. Next player, just kind of holding steady, Chris Olave, uh, drafted by New Orleans at 1.11. I kept him about the same in my rankings after getting drafted by the Saints. It's really if Jameis Winston can protect the ball and keep the offense moving, Olave should be very productive this season and you know throughout his career in New Orleans. It's a great pairing to pair opposite of Michael Thomas. Nothing to move him up or down. Maybe controversial, but I'd say holding steady. I'd still say Jahan Dotson. Washington got him at 1.16, 1.16. Dotson is, you know, a very fitting wide receiver too. That's how I thought about him all along. And so I didn't dock him in my rankings because he got drafted by Washington and has, has to play opposite Terry McLaurin, who I assume will continue to be the wide receiver one. But I'm sure um, that I'm going to have him ranked higher than most because I had him ranked number seven pre-draft. And now that I've done my post-draft rankings, I still have him number seven. Another guy that's holding steady for me is Jalen Tolbert. Uh, Dallas drafted him yeah, for my Cowboys, 3.24. I moved Tolbert up just a few spots uh, after the Cowboys drafted him. I think that he could start right away in three receiver sets and even possibly two receiver sets if Michael Gallup you know, cannot start the season due to his injury. Tolbert has a very high upside second-round Rookie pick, in my opinion, <clears throat> and I hope to draft him in a lot of leagues. He's you know kind of holding steady about where I had him. 
I mean, before we get to tight ends, let me talk about one receiver that I'm still holding out hope for, and that would be David Bell. Cleveland uh, drafted him in the third round at pick number 35. He may have fallen significantly after a very poor <laughs> pre-draft performance, but I still believe in a player that has his college production. Freshman year on, he's just done everything that you have to do, and his landing spot in Cleveland, in my opinion, is perfect. He can now become what I'd just easy comparison now, just to say he's going to be their next Jarvis Landry. I still see him as a first-round draft pick, even though he had third-round draft capital and many other wide receivers were drafted ahead of him in the NFL draft. He still remains my number 12 post-draft ranked player. I know this is going to be controversial, but I'm holding out hope for David Bell as still a first-round pick in my eyes. Let's talk briefly about tight ends. I'm only going to talk about three of them. Now, this rookie tight end class was pretty weak. I only had two players that I'd be willing to draft before, you know, say that maybe like the fifth round of rookie drafts. And then after the NFL draft, I added one more player that I'll talk about to the list of guys that I'd be willing to draft before the fifth round. The fact is that I don't imagine that I'd keep any fifth round rookie tight ends in leagues that didn't have taxi squads. If I didn't have a taxi squad and I picked up one of these tight ends in rookie drafts, I'm afraid I'd probably end up cutting them, you know, when it comes time for the cut down date, when you got to cut down to fewer players. I don't think there's many worth holding on to. But I'll talk about three. Two that stock up, and my number one tight end is, even though he's number one, I'd still consider it stock down after the draft. First for stock up would be Jelani Woods, uh, drafted by Indianapolis, 3.9. Very surprising. Uh, Woods had turned his beastly combine performance into much higher draft capital than I imagined that he'd get in the draft. The Colts love to pass to tight ends, and now they have two of the largest tight ends in the league between him and Mo Cox, as I've written about before. Even talked about it last week's podcast, Woods could be an instant red zone target given his 6'7 size. And I suspect that he'll be a part of the Colts' offense, offensive plan, you know, right away from day number one, at least in the red zone for sure. Next tight end for stock up for me would be Gray Dulcich. This might be controversial, but I still think he's stock up. Uh, he definitely has a tougher uh, competition than Woods has, and that he has to beat out a pretty good veteran in Albert O uh, for playing time. However, I still consider him a stock up player. Uh, after the NFL draft because of his draft capital. Third-round draft capital is good for a tight end, and his landing spot even, uh, being paired with Russell Wilson. I don't think Dolchus, you know, is going to make an immediate impact, but I believe by the end of the season he's going to be proven to be a better tight end than Albert O. And he's uh, my second-ranked tight end before the class, and he's still my second-ranked tight end after the class. And now it's Jelani Woods who's moved up to third in this class, bringing me to the number one tight end in this class, but I'm still going to consider him a stock down. Trey McBride. Arizona drafted him at 2.23. Like I said, he's still my first-ranked tight end in this class, but after the NFL draft, his stock has really fallen a bit in my eyes. I wanted to see him go to a team without a strong veteran ahead of him and a team that just kind of has few high-quality receivers so that he could become a more significant part of the offense like he was at Colorado State. But landing in Arizona presented both of these problems. He's got Zach Ertz ahead of him at the position, and then he's got to fight for targets against DeAndre Hopkins, Marquise Brown now after that trade. And then Rondell Moore cutting into his targets. Uh, he's still, you know, the top tight end, like I said, in my rookie rankings, but he's moved down quite a bit in my overall rankings, much closer now to Dolchitz in my rankings. So stock down, even though he's still my number one tight end. That's some of my observations. I encourage you to go to dynastyfreaks.com to check out my all of my rookie rankings. I've updated them. There's probably gonna be a few tweaks, you know, as we can keep rolling through our through our drafts, but I know I've got some that start this weekend. I've got some two more that start on Monday, so I got to get my draft order in order. And so I hope that you use mine as you head into your rookie drafts as well. Thanks so much for listening, my freaky friends. Uh, make it a two-way conversation anytime. 
Contact me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com, dynastyfreaks with two e's at gmail.com. I'm much better on email than Twitter, so I'd love to email with you, even as you follow your draft. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast. I am a little independent podcaster, so that would mean a lot to me. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support, and I do want to become your most trusted independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Go out there and have fun on your rookie drafts as they get started. You know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin.com.